great movie, isn't it? Yeah. You look like you just want to kind of yeah. carry on watching it. <laughs> it's a very, very good film. It's, it's, it's quite old now, but it still um, has some real relevance to today. I'm really pleased to be here and um, join you guys on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to the dads in the house. Yeah. Okay. And any, any, any lone parents who are female? No? Well, if you are a lone parent, happy Father's Day to you as well. You're doing a tremendous job, yeah? Because there are many mothers who are raising kids on their own as well, and we want to acknowledge them, even though it's Father's Day. So thank you for what you're doing in raising your children too. I love this clip because it gives us, as we come to Father's Day, just a very, very small glimpse of what the perfect daddy is like, the heavenly father. God in heaven, the one we read of in the Bible. But I also think it gives us a little idea about what, what we can also be like. And you would have seen just from Nemo's reaction there what, how we can sometimes be a little bit defiant to authority and also to parents just as he was. I'm hoping today that we will be able to provoke and challenge a little bit of thought about how we view God as the Father and also leave here with a, a sense, an increased sense of, of just how much he values us and how much he loves us and, and just how much good he has intended for our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't watch as much television as I used to. I generally watch DVDs or I will now, I've got a new uh, MacBook Pro, so I'll kind of sometimes go online and, and watch some YouTube videos and stuff. But... What I find is that often nowadays, the depiction of dads or fathers is, is often marred with cynicism. It's often quite critical. And you only have to look at characters in EastEnders, for example, to see dads who are quite abusive and shallow, really. Or you look at Homer, you know, the dad that we love to hate. Um, he's it, a bit whatless, really. Yeah, he's a bit whatless. As it's like young people would say, he's a bit of a waste, you, a bit of a waste, man. And you look at the guy from Shameless, yeah, just what you find with these dads is that you, you get this picture of dads being lazy, louts, foul-mouthed, drunkards who abuse all the time. And that negative stereotype of dads doesn't really help dads, doesn't help fathers, and it certainly doesn't help us in terms of our perspective of how we see God the Father. As I received my gifts for Father's Day, and I'll be honest and say I, I got them last night, yeah, I got, I got, I cheated, yeah, got them last night, no, not really, the family came to me and said, Dad, can we got an early start, we want to give you your gifts tonight, so it was lovely around the table, I got, I got some lovely stuff, really chuffed, but it dawned on me again, just the, the sense of, like Owen was praying, the sense of responsibility I have as a dad, and just so you know, my son who said that I, I blow off a lot and it's, it, he's lying, <laughs> I don't do those things at all. I'll ground him when we get home. He won't be going out for the next 10 years. But it made me realise just how important and significant my role is and, and how significant a role fathers, and, and like Owen is saying, it's not even just those who are biologically fathers, but those who can play a fathering role in the lives of young people, young children, in this church and in our communities. It's a very, very important role. But you see, I also feel that the experiences that we have 
of our own earthly fathers does paint a picture, does kind of, in a sense, shape the way we view other male figures around us. And more importantly, it shapes the way we view God. I really believe that. I feel if we've had an unhealthy relationship with our earthly fathers, then the way we perceive God, the God of the Bible, is also going to be skewed. And the sad thing about that is that the Bible actually says lots of things about God the Father, but, but two things that it says in particular is that God is a God who cares. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, God cares. He says, you, actually, he wants us to, to give all our concerns to him because he, he actually genuinely cares for us. That's the God of the Bible. Likewise, the Bible describes God as God being love. Now, you can't get any more perfect than that. God the Father is a God of love. He is love. He, he, that's, his, that's his character. That's his nature. That's who he is. He is love. His intentions towards us are always motivated by those characteristics. His care, his love, his desire to protect, his desire to provide, his desire for what's best for us. Yet still, like Nemo, as we saw in the film, we sometimes find it hard to both listen to him, and though sometimes we might listen, sometimes we don't obey. Sometimes we, like Nemo, touch the butt. Yeah? We touch the boat. We, we swim out into the, into the sea where we're not meant to go. The boundaries that he puts in place for us, we, we look at him and say, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do it my way. It's funny, as I was thinking, I, I thought back to when I was younger and I was often encouraged, exhorted, um, instructed by my parents, walk down the stairs. Don't run. Who else has had that instruction growing up? Okay. Now, even as a father now, I, I, I'm often saying that in the house. Guys, please walk down the stairs. Don't run. It's dangerous. Now, my parents telling me not to run down the stairs wasn't because they were trying to restrict me from getting to where I wanted to go fast. It's because they wanted me to be safe. Now, I didn't do as they said. I have a scar on my left eyebrow to show for it where I ran down the stairs one day, tripped, and hit my eyebrow on the radiator. Now, that could have been significantly worse than just a little scar. Likewise, being raised, my parents would say, you know, choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends. It wasn't because they wanted me to, to not have fun. Oh, they wanted me to just hang with boring people. Well, oh, thanks, Mum, Dad. Yeah, it wasn't that. Actually, they recognised that who I associate with, who I kind of um, walk with, who I allow to shape my thinking will challenge my value systems. It will shape my value systems. It will shape the way I view the world. It will shape the way I interact with people in the world. As a result, by mixing with some people who didn't have sound foundation in their life necessarily, didn't have a, a, a model of life which had good value systems. I ended up making some bad choices. And I'm sure some of you here would be able to also identify with that. It wasn't that they wanted me to have a boring life, it's because they wanted what was best. The truth is that rebellion and disobedience is nothing new. All of us I've been doing that from the time we were just in nappies. 
in nappies. And it's been going on since the beginning of time. From the time God said to Adam and Eve, don't touch this. You can, you can have everything else, but just, but just don't touch this. What did they do? They, exactly. They went and touched the butt. They ate what they weren't supposed to eat. Likewise, boundaries from the beginning of time have been there. God has done it again. Why? For our own protection. Because he knows the dangers. He knows the consequences which we are sometimes naive and oblivious to. But you see, nowadays what I find, you know, I've, I've worked with young people for a while now, and, and you see it in the media. It's almost like being rebellious, being rebellious and actually going against authority, not following instructions, is, is the cool thing to do. Yeah? With rebellion and, and disobedience, it actually makes you more popular. I don't know if you see this in culture now. It's like, if you don't do as you're told, it makes you, it gives you status. It gives you kudos. You know, you go to school and you don't wear the right uniform. Yeah, you're cool. you got a little fat tie, which looks ridiculous. <laughs> but because the school says you're supposed to wear it a certain length, you're going to do it anyway. So I'm going to look ridiculous, but I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, you know you're not supposed to wear certain clothes to school. So what you do is, bye mum, bye dad. You run out of the house, you get around the corner and you change. I mean, I used to do all that. When I think back now, I think, how stupid must I have looked? Because I know my mum knew. <laughs> my mum knew anyway. But we do it all this. It's in our nature. It's funny because what might start off as a very small seed where we're unwilling to comply and to be obedient and to follow instructions and to stay within boundaries, what starts off as a very small seed which is seemingly insignificant, making a slightly larger expense claim at work. Not getting to an appointment that you know you're meant to get to. Those little things where we think, no, defy it. Those seeds grow into huge compromise eventually. The little things we do in secret grow to become huge compromise if we allow that attitude to, in, to develop in our hearts. And we grow up like that to the point where we become enslaved. It's very, very important that we see that. That little tantrum at kids. No! I don't know about you, but I always found it hard to straighten, to, to bend my kids into the pushchair. <laughs> Even as a two-year-old, you think, where do you get that strength from? I want to do the training you're doing. No more Farley's Rusks. <laughs> But what we read, even in Romans, Paul says that actually, in Romans 1, he says that the way things are now is that actually, it's not that people are disobedient and that they're rebellious and they're defiant and that they've got that kind of attitude. But we're in a culture now where we celebrate people who do it. We celebrate it. Yeah, well, yeah go on, yeah. Fight against authority. Do what you want. That's the way we do Yeah, we're with you. What is that about? It's just absolutely bizarre. It's destructive. It messes up society. We celebrate it. <laughs> we celebrate defiance. We celebrate disobedience. And that breaks God's heart. It absolutely breaks his heart because that's not what he wants. You see, rebellion and defiance and not following instruction resulted in Nemo being trapped. It resulted in him being abandoned. It resulted in him being disillusioned 
brokenhearted, stranded from his loving father and his family, in fact, from his closest friends. If you watch the rest of that film, what you'll realise is that Nemo ends up in a fish tank in someone's house, as opposed to enjoying the freedom in the ocean as his father intended for him. That's what happens. The point is, when we are rebellious like Nemo, when we are defiant like Nemo, when we fail to fall in line with the boundaries that are put in place by the father, the perfect father, we too end up being in a place where God does not intend us to be. At very best, we don't live in the good of his peace and joy. At very worst, we risk spending an eternity apart from him, separated from him, if we don't actually submit our lives to him and accept him as Lord. I want to read a quick few verses from Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 2. It should come up on the screen as well. I'm going to be reading from the, um, the, the New Living Translation, but it will come up. It says this. This is a father's plea to a, to a child. My child, listen to me and treasure my instructions. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and understanding. Search for them as you would for lost money or hidden treasure. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God, for the Lord grants wisdom. His, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. He is their shield, protecting those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of, the, of justice and protects those who are faithful to him. I love that passage. I mean, the Proverbs is full of it. So take instruction from God. Follow his ways. Keep his commandments. It's a shield. It gives knowledge. It gives wisdom. It protects. I remember when um, many years ago, probably about 12, 12 years ago or so, when our eldest daughter was a, was a young girl, we were in Bromley, Marks and Spencers. Can't afford to shop in Marks and Spencers anymore. <laughs> especially not in Bromley. Um, and basically, we was in Marks and Spencers, and there was a moment where it was a pe every parent's worst nightmare. The worst thing could have happened. We were talking, and then all of a sudden, where is Shanae? I don't know. Didn't you have her? I thought you had her. And at that moment... Our hearts sank. And, and you can just imagine, if you're, you'd understand, it, it was horrible. All manner of thoughts started going through your mind. Me, being the man, had to think rationally. <laughs> okay, how many exits do we have in this place? We need to take an exit each, because it was two exits. That made it even worse. There was that exit and that exit. Okay, I'll go that way, you go that way. Go! All sorts of things. You can just imagine the fear. 
we had lost that child. We had lost that child. <laughs> way it turned out is that this kind lady kind of got our attention. Is, is that your little girl hiding under the clothes rail there? <laughs> there Shanae was. I don't know if it was jumpers or whatever, but she was under there just like hiding. Hiding. Had no idea what fear she had just put in us. Grabbed her, gave her a good smack, said never do that again. Only, only joking. <laughs> only, joking. <laughs> only joking. Embraced her. Embraced her. I think those few minutes just embracing her probably seemed longer than the minutes where we didn't know where she were, was. Just to hold her and know that she was safe was so important. So, so important. You see, the thing is, we are naturally prone to wonder. We're naturally prone to come out of the gaze or move out of where we are supposed to be. We do it easily. Like Nemo, we, we won't listen. Like Nemo, we will get caught up in all manner of things and just get distracted and wander off. Sometimes we'll even attempt to hide. We hide. As a result, we can sometimes find ourselves restless. We can find ourselves in a position where we're fearful about the future, where we're concerned about things that we can do absolutely nothing about. What I love about the Father of Heaven is that we can be absolutely certain that when we are walking in obedience to Him and when we are trusting Him with our every decision, when we are trying our best to, to live a life that's holy. We're not doing anything morally displeasing to him. We're not doing anything in secret that we know grieves his heart. But instead we are living in a way which seeks to glorify him and please him. When we live like that, though we make mistakes at times, but when we live like that, we can be absolutely certain. We don't need to be anxious about anything. We don't need to be fearful. Because we can be certain that we are totally in his hands and under his protection. What I love about this proverb, it says, actually, when we listen to God's instructions, when we listen to his commands, when we store them up, when we store them up in our hearts, when we consider them and meditate on them, when we ponder on them and we live by them, when we search them out, remember he says, like, search for them like they're hidden treasure. Hidden treasure. If I said, to, if I said to, <laughs> to a group of people, right, there's a 50 pound note under one of these chairs. First one to get it gets a thousand pounds on top of it. I wonder how many people would really start God, ripping up the chairs, searching for this 50 pound. Not just for the 50 pound, but because they know there's something more afterwards. Do we have that same mindset about our searching out God and his treasures? Would we rip up the chairs? Would we rip up the carpet? Would we kick down the, the drum kit just in case it's hidden in the base? Sorry, Rihanna. <laughs> when we do those things, when we, have, when we seek it out and then we apply it, 
His promise is that we then have wisdom. We're granted wisdom to live life. We're granted victory. We live life victoriously. Who likes the idea of living victoriously? Yeah? And we know that we have the Father's protection. This is the Father's cry. Listen. Search out. Apply. No wisdom. No victory. No protection. Know my love. Know my love. Often we will stray, and then our response is that we, we try to appease our deepest longings and desires and affairs by just taking on all manner of things that actually can only be, they're substitutes. They never really truly satisfy us, which is why we keep going back to them more and more. We try to appease ourselves and appease our longings rather than actually finding our, our place and belonging in God. We, we try to appease all those needs that we have by other things. Relationships. I'm not saying we shouldn't have relationships, but no relationship should, become, should come before our intimate relationship with God. We try to appease it by, by chasing success. If I can work a few more hours. I might get that promotion that I've been longing for. We appease it sometimes through drugs, alcohol, sex, all manner of things. None of which, none of which will ultimately satisfy. In a sense, what happens is we become addicted to those things as well. Why become addicted to something that's a cheap substitute? When you can actually enjoy the pleasure of intimate relationship with a father in heaven who knows your deepest needs, wants to meet every single one of them, wants to satisfy them, and is more than capable of satisfying them to your heart's desire. I remember before I became a Christian, that was what I did, and I'm not going to say that I still don't do that every now and again. I will sometimes still get, make the mistake of trying to, to, to find um, a sense of value and purpose in, in things. I will still sometimes do that. The only difference now is that I, I can take on board what, what the Apostle Paul says. Now I've become a Christian, I know that actually everything else is, is rubbish in comparison to actually knowing Jesus. Compared to actually knowing the Father in heaven as my Father and, and knowing what he has made possible for me through his son Jesus who he sent to die for me, compared to that, everything else is insignificant. Everything else is insignificant. Paul actually says he counts it all as like cow dung in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. I mean, that's quite a strong statement. What I've learned is that God is constantly, even when I'm not aware of it, he's constantly on the lookout for my well-being. He's constantly on the lookout for your well-being. He's like a father who, in a sense, loses their child in MS and searches frantically, searches frantically to locate them, to draw them into his arms, to comfort them, and to reassure them that they no longer need to feel scared 
or alone. That's the Father who I have come to know as the God of this world. My person, the one we cry Abba Father to as we're singing during worship. He's like Nemo's dad. Obviously a lot better than Nemo's dad. Nemo's dad was a fish. <laughs> but, but you get the picture. God hears our inner cries. God knows what we're dealing with when we're laying in our beds at night and the bravado stops and no one else is around. He knows. He knows. And he understands. And his desire as a heavenly father, the perfect daddy, the perfect father, is to hold us, to reassure us, to comfort us, to let us know he loves us. And that nothing else, nothing else can come close to his love for us and his desires for our well-being. He knows our dreams. He knows our longings. He knows the deepest desires of our heart. He sees the highs and he understands the lows. It's funny, God knows us when he says that it's not good for man to be alone. Anyone in here like being alone? And I'm not talking about those moments of solitary, solitude where you're meditating. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those moments where you, you could be in a crowded room and you feel alone. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that, which is why God has intended us to be in relationship. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. You know, you have your weekend away, your church weekend. That's about building community. That's about building relationship. You know, when you do these next, the series starting in July, 1st of July, that Phil was talking about on marriage, relationship. Marriage is important. I've been married some 16 years now. And marriage is important. And it takes work. You can go by a young lady. <laughs> it's important. So I would, again, I'd encourage you, if, I don't know if this is allowed, but even if you're thinking about getting married one day, you need to, you need to be part of that forum and hear what's going on. But I'd really encourage you to make sure you get involved in that. But mostly God wants us to be in relationship with him. Where are you with your relationship with God, the Father today? That would be my question to you. Is it, an, is, it, is it at an intimate place? Or is it at a distant place? Are you feeling right now, you, you sense his presence with you? Or are you feeling lonely and isolated? Because the good news is that he doesn't want you to stay in that place where you are alone. He's a father who says, I, I want to be close. <laughs> My plans for you are too good for you to, to be alone. I want us to watch another video. And this is a, a video of, um, you may have heard of Derek Redmond. It's a, it's, a, it's a footage shot from an Olympic run that he did a few years back. And um, I, I think this video, again, just shows a, a, a very good idea of what our Heavenly Father is about, what he's like. So let's just watch this clip, and I'll come back.
I'm just going to invite the band to come up. Just need to consider for a moment, having watched that video, something that Derek Redmond said. He was going to shrug him off. He felt someone put their arms around him and he was going to shrug them off. And then he said these words, and then I realized it was my dad. <laughs> I realized it was my father. I realized it was my father. See, the reality is, despite our rejection of him, despite our turning away, God constantly pursues us. So much so that he even broke into our existence. Just like Derek Redmond's dad ran onto the track, probably got past security who were trying to stop him. He pushed them out of the way to get onto the track to be able to put his arm around his son to see him across the finish line. That's exactly what our Father in Heaven's like for us. And my question to you, which I want you to consider while we sing, and Owen will probably come up and say a few words afterwards, is will you receive his embrace? Will you receive his arm around you and allow him to take you across the finish line? Or will you shrug him off?